episode two. Hello and welcome to Lockdown 2 Electric Boogaloo, our second lockdown <laughs> special to coincide with the second lockdown in the UK due to the coronavirus pandemic. With me, I have Dan and Ryan. Hello. Hello. Uh, it's good to have you guys uh, with me. Uh, what if, So we put the first lockdown uh, episode out in March. Um, how, what have you guys been up to since? How are we feeling? It's the second lockdown. We thought, you know, a second lockdown special would be appropriate. How's everyone doing? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I think it's, it's been like oddly good for me. I know that sounds strange, but so when we did the one back in March, I was out of a job. I just found out that I wasn't going to be moving to New Zealand. Um, I wasn't in a great place, I really think. And so being able to, um, being able to be in lockdown with my friends and like play a load of video games and um you know i still had to job hunt at the same time but it meant that i sort of had a bit of spare time during the day uh you know it was it was it was it was a bit tough and then sort of come june i found myself some work which is fantastic and you know everything starts sorted started looking up for everybody and you know we're all um taking care of ourselves and you know doing more of these podcasts was really good we've also been working on live streams as well which has just sort of really taken off. And I think I this second lockdown for me wasn't as drastic as the first. It was just like, okay, well, we're going back in for another month. Like, objectively looking at it, not a lot of my day-to-day changes. So, okay, I'm cool with it. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm really glad because when we spoke in March, it was it was just a time of upheaval for a lot of people, you know. And and I'm re- I'm really glad to see you doing better um, in sort of most in every regard, really. Um, and I think it's important to know also um, you can never really stop all of your anxieties and all of your issues. One's anxieties and issues are always bespoke, right? There's no way that it's the right way of thinking to look at somebody else's position and go, "Well, I'm doing better than them, therefore I'm okay." That never works. You, st- you know, your anxieties and your issues are still your own. Um, but it is worth pointing out that I think particularly um, for the three of us here, we I know I love being social. I love seeing people. I love going to the cinema. I love, all these things um, that I can't do anymore. Um, I'm still grateful that I feel like I was born to work from home. I feel, and I'm also <laughs> incredibly blessed that my workplace supports that, um, and I'm really lucky to be employed. Um, it, it means that most of my day-to-day outside of the, the uh, lockdown restrictions um, and coronavirus, um, I've, you know, I've been slumming it in an office. I've been working for a, you know, somebody else, working for the man, you know? So it's <laughs> like, so, but, so unlike people who have been working in the arts, who have been um, sort of uh, having a better time of it most of the rest of the time, um, things sort of flip. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to have the job security and I'm very grateful to have a, an employer that supports me, um, that allows us to be doing things like Slash Dupe uh, while this is going mm. on because um, we have the time to. Um, and, 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 and the other things, the other productions we've been putting into place um, and even just the time to meet up and muse and produce things. And, you know, I'm really grateful to have this time right now, um, even with the second lockdown, which, which won't be impacting me as much as um, it did initially now that my routines have altered to, to embrace working from home. Um, but, yeah, I'm just cognizant of, 
of of the role luck plays into it as well but but then mm. that said i'm also incredibly grateful to yes to be on the other end of a of a playstation controller with my friends and family um and to be able to be uh to snatch the time uh, dan you know with yourself as well and with ryan snatch time here and there to to actually create stuff together yeah yeah for sure for me it just still feels like march <laughs> yeah. that's the thing like it's, it's, i've lost all sense of time it became a very like we talked about in march it was all a bit scary i'd lost quite a lot of work overnight it, mm. being in the arts and for some of my friends that's still the case and um and that's an awful long time to not be doing it anything mm. you know that that sort of gives you life um i've been again we, we talk about being lucky and me and my wife have um have fallen into teaching we've been doing teaching beforehand and we were very lucky that one of our employees happened to keep us on so we're um we're surviving and we're doing okay and it means we get the time together i, I i'm not sure i'm built to work at home but i'm enjoying working from home um and modern technology these things these zoom calls that we're having mm -hmm. are um have been keeping me in bread and butter really basically mm. and um and have allowed students that are feeling really anxious over this time to be able to express themselves and have some connection i know it's not necessarily the experience they were hoping for you know and um you know the college experience the university experience is as much a social aspect and so i've been dealing with a lot of students that have been missing out on that mm. um we had a very interesting conversation the other day about um you know, it feels like this time has been stolen from us. And actually mm. that, you know, we're working through things and, you know, we have our plans, but we can never really plan for anything that's going to come up like this. And we're having this conversation on Remembrance Sunday, actually. And we're talking about, well, we think, you know, we've had our we've had our years stolen, but there were people that literally sort of had their entire lives yeah. stolen from them sure. and and that inevitably in another generation there will i mean we hope not but there will be something that will inevitably disrupt plan mm. and um and like you i've been i've been feeling um this second lockdown hasn't felt too much of an imposition for me because i've started to find a role on how this works and how we how we how we go mm. um but i do know that it is affecting I'm very lucky. I'm at a place of privilege, really. I'm working with people that we're for this is really, in, you know, really a bit of an imposition. Mm. And for some of my friends and compatriots in the arts where they've now been eight months, is it, without pay? Yeah. Not earning anything. Sure. Um, and that is, that's really tough. That's really tough to, to feel that for other people. Yeah. So not to put a downer on the beginning of our lockdown, because I know, you know, one of the things I'm really glad about is that we've been able to catch up quite often you know yeah and see your faces mm. um and we've started our new live stream blood and song yes mm -hmm. um so which i'm sure you're going to talk about now yeah well it's um it's diwali which dovetails nicely into that so today the day that we're recording this is diwali it won't be the day um that it we goes out it. um that we release it so uh is it is it, is it only diwali it's <laughs> <laughs> it's also Ryan's Bad birthday today. Point. Thank you. Thank I, you Ryan's <laughs> birthday. In yes. the prep for this, which of which there wasn't much, I'll be honest with you. Um, we, none of us mentioned that we were going to mention Ryan's birthday, so I guess he was quite upset that we didn't prep the fact that we were going to mention it. But yes, it's Ryan's uh, birthday. How old are you, Ryan? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You look I... fresh-faced. 
That's I all am, that matters. I'm 29, and I originally That's thought gross. like 29 was like a trash birthday year because like you know 26 you're the same age as the number of marath of miles in a marathon 27 is the number of dresses 28 mm-hmm. is the days later and i was like well 29 is a bit bit rubbish but then i realized i've turned 29 in a leap year where there is 29 days in february so it's spooky <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I would say grabbing at straws they're clutching at straws but um i never even thought about thinking of each year I think I've managed to do it. I've managed to do it from I think twenty one onwards. I think I've found something at least to to be able to associate a number to a year to. Mm. Also, when did when did the Lord Jesus Christ die? I'm sure thirty three. If you can get past thirty three, you've done well. I mean, I I, like that. I I didn't (laughs) get famous and join the twenty seven club, right? So that right, yeah. that one went well out. Done. The well, we're grateful. Thank for God that. for yeah, that. Thank yeah. God for that. In a way, yeah, that one went out the window. But um, in a way, so no, no, now, thank so God now, for that in every <laughs> possible way. Not in a way, <laughs> no. I don't tell me you would want to have died in infamy instead of lived. So it's I think not, well, there's uh, so or is thirty three the next one? All right, thirty three is the next milestone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I look for. Wow, that. just have to I mean, have created turned, something I, big before thirty. I turned forty in this did. coronavirus, yeah. which um, you you two. So very kindly mm-hmm. helped me celebrate. Yes, um, distanced. And someone, and so I was, I was getting a bit worried about it, and I wanted a good, a good fortieth. But and someone, one of my friends, told me that when you get to forty, everything just gets easier. And I don't know whether it's just because you start forgetting more or because <laughs> you care less. Yeah. But he, he was right. Yeah. He was right. So um, I look to, you've got a lot to look forward to, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Delicious. We've been producing. Um, uh, we we've all had different experiences of um, of tabletop role playing games, board games, Dungeons and Dragons, and the confluence of these creative things. Um, uh, just a quick plug on this other thing that we're doing. So so it's called Blood and Song. Um, we've been producing it, and we star in it. It's a tabletop RPG live stream every Monday evening on YouTube and Twitch. Um, and we've, it's based on the Dungeons and Dragons uh, engine, but really, um, what I find interesting about it is it's about um, collaborative imagination and creative storytelling. So we're all friends. We've all come together. We've produced it together. Um, we we star in it. We we help shape it. Uh, we, you know, we do everything. We we all do a little bit of everything. We lay hounds and everything. Um, so Dan Ryan and myself are part of it. Um, and I'm really proud of it because it's, it's basically like live TV on the production side of things, which is incredibly challenging. Very grateful to have a bit more free time to be able to actually put that forward. And then on the other side of it, where we're acting and creating together um, collaboratively, but, um, uh, you know, and, and the sort of idea of it being a tabletop role playing game is just a framework for us to be able to hang um, uh, many sort of aspects of our Anglo, Indian and Asian British heritage on, which we're very proud of as well. It's, it, we want to see more of that type of representation. Um, but uh, how many episodes now are we in? Three episodes. It, fe- it honestly feels like a lot Sorry. more. It'll we've be, been producing it'll be it for quite a while. When, before when, before we, when, when, we before when this goes out. Yep. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it so far, but I'm incredibly proud of it. I mean, I, we could have zero viewers and I would we would still do it and I would be so proud of it. I'm grateful we don't. Um, I, but uh, I'm really proud of what we're doing. I'm so, I'm so in love with it and we've barely gotten off the, the starting line. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not even into the first corner yet. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, I can really see this going somewhere as a piece of media, as a show that we're all producing and starring in. Uh, It's something that, as you said, you know, Asian culture is um, not really represented in high fantasy. 
And so that's another thing that I'm particularly proud about that like I'm really, and you know, it's not like we've just decided to, you know, throw Vishnu in there or whatever. Like we've all put research in, we've all looked at like all of the, the parts of the fantasy that, mm. that are amazing for storytelling and we're building mm. a world around that. Yeah, it's these voices that we've heard in our lives growing up we're able to channel them is how I see it. You know, they, they, not before you understand heritage, before you understand culture and race, you have these different voices um, teaching you as you grow up and guiding you and being a part of your life. And I finally am able to look back and, 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 and um, uh, take from them and hopefully give back by um, telling uh, my side of things, which is, you know, an Asian, British or an Anglo-Indian type of story. You even got your DNA done for it, didn't you, Ryan? I did. So you can... I did it. it. It wasn't specifically for the stream, but uh, but I did get it done. <laughs> and, um, you know, some particular outliers out there. But um, I think at one point somebody said in our family, you know, because we've got one family member from Portugal and one from Armenia and stuff like that. And, you know, all over the place, someone was like, mm. I think there's only one family member that's potentially indian and i was like that seems about wrong so it was nice to get the dna test back and the majority of my dna being um mm -hmm. sort of central um central northern indian uh being the sort of major component of that so it's good yeah yeah so yeah i mean and then the rest of european so it's a very anglo-indian yeah. mix which is quite interesting but no it's, not, it's something we're all we're all um really proud very of proud. um yep. it's 8 p.m um mondays live on youtube and twitch and it's called blood and song that's eight. That's eight PM GMT for our entire yeah. American fan base. Well, for our international, international fan yes. base. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that's that's blood and song. But in terms of Slash Dupe, um, I, I how's everybody feeling about how it's going? Because we we were very fortunate to have planned ahead, or at least not planned ahead, because we didn't really have the opportunity to, but to have um, been ahead of our schedule. So we had a lot of people. Um, very early on in the lockdown that we were, we were able to record with. And a lot of people were, were freer, which in one sense was, was very good. Um, and they were able to um, make time in their schedules to come on. So we had some wonderful, wonderful guests um, for this quarter of Slash Dupe. I think the, the funny thing was we did a bunch of episodes and then everything happened with lockdown and we weren't sure. And then we recorded the lockdown episode, the previous one. And I really think that was the catalyst for us to go, mm. right, we need to kick this thing back into gear. And so we started booking like, you know, fantastic guests yeah. and we started being able to record with people. And we almost flipped the script because we were looking, we used to do all the recordings at Dan's house mm, and then we were studio. all in lockdown. Yeah. And so we were like, yeah, sorry, at the studio. So actually we were then able to, you know, flip that script and be like, actually, let's just do it at home. Let's just get people who can, mm. who have got the time, who've got the equipment um, and be able to do it. And so it's almost if you know turning that sort of turning it into a positive and just driving forwards with it and i really am like happy every single person i know that's listened to it has been like oh this is great and they're coming up with ideas and they're telling us them and i'm saying don't tell us go to our socials at at slash yeah, on slash all G. socials yeah. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, go, you yeah. know go to our socials and put it in there and every person that we've had on as a guest have been like oh my god i love it i love you guys this format's amazing when I've can had i come some back fantastic compliment like yeah. I, it sounds weird to say because we just because this is very grassroots we sort of grew this ourselves and, and we did it because we thought it would be fun and we wanted to encourage our friends and, and industry 
contacts and, and industry friends to sort of come in and share the fun with us. But I've been having a lot of compliments um, from Slash Dupe and a lot of people have said it was the highlight of the lockdown, which again, um, it sounds like I'm sort of tooting our own horn, but that, that's a really humbling thing to hear um, and really lovely because we want to share this fun. And you're right, you're right. It was that lockdown episode where we, the three of us, had so much fun that we thought, well, yeah. let's, we need to make this a priority. Why are we not doing this? Why, why have mm. we stopped doing this? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I've come away from each one of the ones we've recorded over lockdown with some amazing guests and some absolute bangers of ideas mm. um, right across the board. Um, I've walked away from every single one of those recordings feeling, you know, on a, on a high, much sort of, it shouldn't always a little shot to the spirits. Mm. Uh, every time we record those, even though so, hashtag Dan was robbed in basically every single episode, every time. <laughs> oh, I think I might have won one. Yeah, but generally robbed. <laughs> yeah. So the format of this will be uh, similar to the last uh, special we did, except this time, uh, due to the nature of being so constricted physically um, in where we can go and what we can do, and being governed by sort of ever changing rules, um, we thought we could do with a little imagination this time. Um, so almost like not focus on the lockdown at all, a little nostalgia, if you will, a little something. Um, so I left it, I just completely opened up the idea of sequels. Um, we've, we've each of us taken it upon ourselves to come up with a sequel, prequel, a reboot, reboot call, that's a thing, side call, that's actually a thing as well, or otherwise some kind of follow up in, in whatever form that is taken to you, um, to an existing film um it doesn't even have to be specifically one that you like um and it can be from any time period it can it can already have sequels it can already have things in the series i just like thought we discussed this and we thought let's just open it up let's not this is not a time for constriction this is a time for wanton imagination this is a time for utter nonsense um so that so i don't know the and order that's that... exactly what you're going to get sean yeah <laughs> i should hope so because ryan just said oh I, I don't know if i'll do this i don't know if i'll do that i haven't heard a thing from dan so i don't know if this was another morning off creation i don't know if this has been boiling secretly as a sort of thing in the background i have no idea dan um it but was, um it was another sort of i've been thinking hard about it and nothing would nothing was falling mm. do you know what i mean like it just like you're sieving you're panning for gold mm basically and then this morning i said to i said to sarah's like i just i just need a sequel idea and she was like well what about and i was like that is it and this is how it's going to go and she was like i'm not sure you should do that <laughs> and and that's exactly why i'm doing it. that's excellent so. and do you know what i i i this is almost exactly how ideas are forged the day of somebody goes i've got to go to a meeting or i've got to go and do something <laughs> i need an idea and and then it yeah. comes to you sometimes you just can't plan ahead yeah. for these kinds of things well all the work you've been doing before like sifting through ideas and that they all they've all fed into it a now bit, i so. like to say that line of bullshit to other people as well and i like to believe it but i don't know how true it is but that's <laughs> but even aaron sorkin for example says you know that's my writing process is i watch sports yeah. and i have a shower and i lie on the sofa and then mm. and then like you know an hour before the deadline i write and he says the process does start at that first point you know when you sit yeah. down and you clear your mind that's, and you escape that's why place. i sit at my playstation and play <laughs> for four days in a row yeah. <laughs> yeah um so here's dan's nordic themed um father and son <laughs> yeah. story no. father and son journey yeah. so i don't know if we want to start with you then dan if you or, or no, I'm, I'm happy to i'm happy to let because rye's done rye's done his work rye knows what he wants doesn't he right. rye's excited for it whereas i probably need a little bit more time for it to to brew <laughs> yeah. in the cup yeah 
All right, Ryan, um, let's hear your uh, lockdown to electric boogaloo idea for, uh, for Slash Duke, please. So my idea for my film, um, it's one of my top three films. So those films in no particular order. And the reason why they're my favorite films, right, is because I can watch them over and over again, not get bored by them. Um, those films are Scott Pilgrim versus the World. High Fidelity mm-hmm. and Speed Racer. Now, I have chosen for my film to do a second one. I have chosen Speed Racer. And one <laughs> of the reasons why I love this film, not only because of like it's ridiculously colourful and it's ridiculously crazy, however, it actually reminds me quite a lot of Sean and Dad because we used to play a lot of racing games on the <laughs> Nintendo 64, which is like the first major console we owned. And, you know, I used to love playing games with those guys and... We used to play F Zero X, yeah, a lot, and I loved that one. And that was a game. Dad, you know, even like Dad was really good at it. That and Dad and yeah. Diddy Kong Racing, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it, so when Speed Racer came out and they were doing things like you know when they go flying off the track, they like become those like balls and everything like that, and like yeah, yeah, just how it's called like a checkpoint system, isn't it? I'm sure they call it like a checkpoint or something. And it's, it's got a name. Someone can correct us in the comments, but it's got a name that system, and it's very video gamey. And I never, you know, I'm not, I'm not as old as Dan, so I never watched Speed Racer. Wow. <laughs> I never watched Speed well, at Racer. At least I'm uncool now. I'm uncool. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I never watched it when it was a TV series, so I only knew of it as a, um, as the, as the film. Um, and so, and also, oddly enough, when Ted and the Blanks sing the theme song for it in Scrubs, um, that's the only <laughs> other thing I knew about. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, my idea for a Speed Racer film... I, Which, but, so- I just want to go in there. Speed Racer is wicked, by the way. It's, a, it's, a, it's the film that the Wachowskis did after The Matrix. So, they, I believe they produced, wrote V for Vendetta, but their first film that they directed after The Matrix uh, trilogy was, in fact, Speed Racer. And it like, utilised a lot of cutting-edge technology, even though it looks quite unusual and quite dated now, as a lot of films do when they utilise cutting-edge technology. Um, I love Speed Racer as much as you do, Ryan. I really do. Mm. And I and for and there's a lot of things in there that I find difficult, um, or that I don't like. But I think that some of its parts, like I think overall, it's it's a really, it comes close to uh, achieving transcendence or like that moment of it's got that 2001 bit at the end. Like it's got this. It's ma- it's magical, and it's just such an anime film. Yeah, which which I which I love very deeply. Um, so yeah, so please, please tell us your where it fits in the timeline. Is it a sequel? Um, how does it work? So I think it's a sequel. So kind of like the way that Borat did, and the way that um, Anchorman did. You know, they were they referenced the fact that they were set X amount of years later. Um, and so this this would be set. You know, if we did it now, it would be set. I think it's twelve years later because um, I think the film came out in two thousand eight, and I've. For the title, there's so many ideas for the title. I was thinking either racing for second, because that's what they say. It was like, no, 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 everybody else is racing for second, which I thought Mm. was a great line in the film. Mm. Uh, To your cars or real race car driver. (laughs) (laughs) Or a Royalton Royalton car. Real race car driver that signed the contract. And it's like, like I just thought maybe maybe those for the title. But what I I want to. The tagline for that first one. What was the first one you said? Uh, Racing for second. Racing for second. Everyone else is racing for second. That's the tagline. Right. Oh, that's the tagline. Yeah, that would be good. Definitely. And then 
maybe then it's called to your cars um mm-hmm. but the i i want the idea of basically i sort of want the film to start with um inspector detector like running through the streets of something and he's running away and he looks like someone's mm-hmm. following him um and then he like makes a call to like the, you know call the race residents and um they and then something happens to him uh you know like or he leaves a voice message like a video message and they it goes through and then you go to this to the racer residence and there's like the you know the the voicemail light is blinking and you see speed like sitting there like with his like on his bed like in the first one where he's getting ready for the race mm-hmm. and he's tapping his foot and he like gets up puts on like a shirt and a blazer and walks out into the house and everybody's wearing black and you find out that 10 years this is set because it's set 12 years afterwards um susan sarandon the mum character she has died and this mm. is her funeral right okay and what's her name mom mom racer is mom name, racer think, it? something yeah. like that yeah, yeah yeah okay so, so she's she, passed away so she's passed away and they're going to the the funeral and i think you know they mentioned the first one that like the fact that when Rex died, it almost tore the family apart and dad didn't go in the shop for another year and he had that scene, you know, he's sitting on the sofa with him watching the old Monte Carlo race or whatever it was, mm. uh, the Grand Prix. And so I, but I like the idea that maybe this does actually tear the family apart. Like she was, the mum was the, she was the thing that made that entire family who it was and how it was. Mm. And so I want it to be sort of set, actually, do you know what? I've sort of, I've, I'm going to go backtrack on myself. I want that to happen at the beginning and then it's like 10 years later, which makes it to now, if that makes sense. Okay. Right? Yeah. That, so that happens like that would happen in 2009, for example. And then, you know, we're now like 11 years later or whatever. So I like the idea they've all splintered off to sort of do different things. But one of the thing that um, Inspector Detector was, was chasing after them about was that in the first film, they talk about Blackjack Benelli, who was the person who fixed the race and was the one that killed uh rex racer and he is in jail so now he's back out Mm -hmm. and he wants revenge okay so that's where that's why inspector detector because that's obviously how they know him from that's how they know him uh as a because he investigated the the crash and everything like that that's why he goes after him um definitely i think the the sort of police side of thing they'll definitely be called superintendent Mm-hmm. Just, <laughs> um, obviously a British person but I like that they all split it off to do different things uh, maybe like the dad where he went back to wrestling so this is after so this is 10 years it's 12 years ago where, or 10 years ago after after mom racer passed away they the family all splinters and they all go off and do different things yeah so they've all been doing okay. different things like Trixie I think Trixie and Speed Racer break up and Trixie starts she starts cool bean cool bean clothing which is like sort uh-huh. of street street clothing like um that's designed to look like racers clothing uh-huh um because that was her like catchphrase and so like, yeah, she yeah, does yeah, she sure. does that like sparky is definitely like i think he is working in the underground like he's fixing up getaway driver cars to be like really quick so like in the way that in the 60s transit vans are actually faster than stock cop cars Mm. so that mm-hmm. all the robbers had transit vans so they would be able to outrun them so he's like doing that the dad has definitely like gone back into back into wrestling like mm. maybe as a wrestler but he's older or he is like the sort of the organizing yeah. the wrestling ring maybe yeah um 
Yeah, I he wants so. to feel that crowd. He wants to hear the crowd. Yeah. He wants to feel that energy again. Yeah, yeah. it was that roar that he loved. Uh, you know, like Spridal and Chim Chim, I think they've gone off to be like conservationists in like the, mm-hmm. in the in the middle of like the jungle somewhere. Um, Do they still and... love sweets? No, they love fruit. Yeah, they're like they love the jungle because it's got all of like as as my friend um, Danny used to say, nature's skittles. That's how he nature's described skittles, uh, grapes. Yeah, um, so it has all the wealth of sweets that you can eat in the jungle. And I think speed, like I don't know how, but I want at some point. So uh, Benelli coming back will be like he starts his crime family again. He starts to refix the races. He starts to like. Um, pull in all of those favors, almost like a sort of Hydra thing, you know. Like he's li- this has been dormant for years, and now he's starting. He's come back in, and he's starting to pull the strings. And the only way to beat them, you know, is in like a fair race. Now I know this is almost cut and paste exactly what the first film is like. But if Churches, the band, has taught me anything, is that you can make three albums that sound exactly the same, and everybody <laughs> loves them. So you <laughs> yeah. could just do like a similar, a similar sort of thing with this. Like they have to take down the bad guy, but then. Uh, super, you know, superintendent finds Speed Racer, and I think that he has lost a leg somehow. Speed Racer has. Speed Racer's lost a leg because in like the fir- in like the first one, they they talk about like you know when they put his hands in the piranha pit, and it's like you know how can you drive with steady hands? But it'll be his right, he'll be his right foot for the accelerator, and um, I think that they will. They, they have to, like, get the family back together. And mm-hmm. um, they'll... So with Superintendent, they'll go around, you know, they'll find, like, Pops and they'll try and get him back to sort of building cars. And then they'll sort of look around, like, the wrestling ring and it's all, like, the way the whole thing's been, like, manufactured and everything. That is basically, like, the, you know, the beating heart, like the engine of a car. Like, you know, mm. all, all the stage moves up and down like pistons. Like all of like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the... Mm. You know, like stuff like that. Like, you know, you have, you never lost it, Pops. You know, you just manifest it in a different way. So they clear out everybody from the place and they're in the ring is where they build their motor car again. Yeah, love they it. They place yeah, all the parts it. in the ring. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like Spridal and Chim Chim, even though they've gone off to be conservationists, they like discover an eco-fuel that's like way more potent than yeah. than like fossil fuels. fuels. And that's yeah. that's what they've been doing. Like you think that they've been doing like The monkeys the know where it is. Yeah. Right? Well, I, think, I don't know whether he's a monkey it. or he's maybe he should just now like, I don't know, maybe be a gorilla just to make it cool. Like he's now much bigger. Like it's like <laughs> Spridal. Even though it doesn't, that's not, I, yeah, I know that's not how, you know, monkey growth works, but... Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> But I just think that would be funny. Like Chim Chim's no longer no longer Chim Chim anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, he's like because because Sprite has grown up as well, right? Yeah. So Chim Chim's turned into like a different beast yeah. to to support him in his in his teenagehood or adulthood or whatever. And I think you know, like Sparky uh, comes back. So I think while they're doing all this, obviously Benelli finds out, right, and mm-hmm. then gets all of his goons in while they're trying to build the car to like destroy it or break it and then suddenly whoosh, whoosh, like someone disappears whoosh, 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 like someone else disappears and they're like what the hell and then ninjas come down of course they do right yeah yes ninjas come down that, and they defeat they defeat all of benelli's guys and then uh-huh. toko khan who was the the guy from the first one comes down and it like you, you think it's him because you see the red hair and then they take the ninja mask off and it's his sister his and sister, then she yeah. says 
this is what passes for ninjas these days. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Nice. An obscure callback nice. to the first yeah. speed racer. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And then she also brings in like Racer X, who's going to be there again, but he's like a bit older. And I think that, I don't know how, but at some point he's going to sort of basically, you know, like in The Dark Knight Rises where he's like, all it took was to put a coat on a little child or whatever he says. And that's mm-hmm. how he lets him know that he was It's like somehow to get speed to like race at his best he's gonna mm-hmm. drop something in like that like something to do with the red socks maybe um mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. what his brother you know told him the only reason they survived the crash is because he was wearing his red socks here's a place to bring the red socks and the fact that he's missing a leg together i don't know how well but there's the, the pl- there's something in there isn't there? the missing so the missing leg thing what i think he wants to do is when he gets when he's like I can't, I can't do this. I can't. Oh, that's what it is. So Racer X is the one that convinces him to drive the car again. And mm-hmm. he brings him to like the ring and they're getting in the car and he's like, I can't drive this. I can't drive this. And he sits in the driver's seat and Sparky has built basically like a prosthetic that is integrated with the accelerator mm. so that he like fits it on. So he's always going to be like pedal to the metal with it. It's and got that's... force feedback speed. It's got all these things in there that you need. You can really feel the road. Which is actually less helpful than having a prosthetic that he can have on his leg. <laughs> yeah. That attaches to the pedal. Do yeah, you know it's what I mean? so it's, it's actually welded <laughs> into the pedal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he so he like clicks it all in and it's like you know, and it's like it goes back flashes back to the things his brother said, you know, you've got like feel the car, like it's a living, breathing thing, like that's has it got like um has it got neuro links in it? So he actually he actually is in the car he, yeah, he is the that's car it. he he has to like yeah yeah yeah, yeah that the is car. Good. so he thinks he thinks the car and that the car is because then benelli can be like on a technicality try and get him cancelled mm. this is not the technology that we've agreed upon you know how they have all these rules in f1 mm. and then there yeah. can be some sort of way sparky can be like no there was nothing in there that linked him to the car I just said that to get speed. Like, or Racer X can say that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can be like, yeah. no, I just said that to get hit that feeling of like, you know, connection. Yeah, mm. like the the juice from from, uh, from Space Jam. Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that sort of thing. So so they and then they win. And they, you know, they definitely. So and when they're building the car and they like read, you know, they paint it white and they resticker it and it's that classic mm. thingy. And then it's the Mark. It's the Mark. Zero M, so it spells mum on it. Yeah, that's and that good. ties it back oh, to Susan yeah, yeah. Sarandon because she was like, she was the, the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so she like was the heart of all of it. So she's like there with him, like when he's racing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then obviously it goes out and he and um in Speed Racer One when Rex is racing, there is a bit where Benelli runs up to a guy and he's like, "I thought you said you were gonna take him out," and like that's the only time he appears in the film, and mm-hmm. so you'll mirror that again. Um, and he's, but he, I can't. He's just too fast. And then they, mm-hmm. and then this obviously they like completely blow this whole thing out of the water. They win like all of the underworld crime bosses, like you know, had all their bets thrown and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And uh, and then yeah, superintendent will definitely like arrest this person, and it will be like the vengeance for Inspector Detector's death and and everything like that. Hey, and, wait, wait. Uh, when did Inspector Detector die? At the, at the beginning, when he left the voice message. He was like trying to leave the voice message. Oh, I see. Sorry. And it okay. was just the blinking yeah, yeah. light because no, yeah. no one got the message in the oh, racer see, household to say that yeah. Benelli was back uh-huh. um, because they I were going you. to the funeral. And then... And yeah, so that that's why so that's why I couldn't really settle on a title because real race car driver does also make sense as well. And to your I do cars, quite like that. Real and race to car your driver. cars makes sense as well because obviously he's they're going back to it. 
to your cars is what you see on the first um, promo poster, you know, the one that goes out before mm-hmm. it, just mm-hmm. as it's been announced, just yeah. to your cars, and then, like, the Mac with the M, and, like, mm-hmm. just a, just some teasery type art, right? That's the mm-hmm. thing you first see. So, okay, so how does he lose his leg? How does Speed Racer lose his leg? Uh, so That's what I want to know. I, I originally had Speed being, like, maybe maybe like being a getaway driver but i sort of feel like that does lead him down like a bit of a a dark path and i'm just not really too sure that's why i switched to sparky because sparky can sort of almost have plausible deniability that all he's doing is he's just fixing up these yeah. cars like he's not what actually, about he's underground street racing or something but like I, for a good cause so like he if he wins then the bad guys clear out of town and stop harassing the people you know if speed beats them in a race but like he you know puts his, his own life at risk at, at one point you know, I think and then use his leg that way. It was either going to be underground racing or it was going to be uh, he's a taxi driver and he like <laughs> and you know like you know he used to be somebody. Oh, I missed out Trixie actually. So uh, when they all when he gets into the kind of from that Trixie will come back in and then she'll mm-hmm. she'll give him the neckerchief like the famous speed racing yeah. neckerchief that he wears okay. from her like clothing line and it would be like the special one and ties it round and like that would be like the cool beans. That's her way back into it. Yeah, they say, like, Speed, have you got anything else to say on the podium? Like, Speed, have you got something to say? And then he just goes, like, cool beans. And then, like, <laughs> Trixie comes up and then they make out, you know? Again. <laughs> it's like, that's his that's his win, is to get is to get Trixie back. Like, forget the race. All right, so listen, I've got maybe to they, ask, Maybe like, they had a crash. Hang on. Maybe they had a crash. Um, and he lost his leg and she couldn't forgive him for that. Or there was something that was going on. They were yeah, having an argument. He saved her instead of beginning. himself and then and ruined his own racing career. Yeah. And she couldn't forgive him for giving away his talent like that. You know, in that same... Like, she feels survivor's guilt, right, for that, mm-hmm. for what happened. That's yeah, good. That's, that's good, Dan. And, that, and, that, and maybe to keep the connection with the racing world, that's why she builds the clothing line, because it's like... Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, street fashion. Well, she's hoping to raise enough money to maybe getting some surgery or the prosthetics but sparky beat him too yeah, yeah. the car with the but then she has a special like boot covering or something do you know what i mean like she red socks yeah the red socks that she that calls goes... them the red socks they're boots that yeah, pull yeah. up over yeah all right so I, I have to know about how like how racing if it has evolved over those 12 years right so like because the tracks are very like i love them they're like mario kart tracks they're like mm. they go all out. like i love that they just went fully all out and had this thing with loop the loops and like yeah. across the water and the desert chase and like it was proper sort of like catch the pigeon type stuff so uh, wacky they, races i feel like so how the, is it in this if you think about actual like uh formula one and everything like that you know we have a lot of very established tracks and then ones that um have been retired and the ones that don't get raced in for x amount of years mm. like there's only x number of races that they can do a year but everybody wants a track in it so obviously you know five years ago there wasn't or m- maybe longer than that maybe 10 years ago there wasn't a dubai race and now there is and now it's become quite a main staple and so mm-hmm. i think that it will be uh, maybe the final race would be back at Thunderhead, which is where like he talk- he talks about Thunderhead being um, mm. sort of a great day out with the family and everything like that. And so that's where they go back to to like do the final race, like the Grand Prix changes every year. I think that you still have the the big companies um, like Royalton, maybe Royalton's uh, son Esquire well, Junior. Like they in. make it like for one of the final tracks, they're like. Royalton have made a car and an engine 
that can survive like any condition. It can go under the water. It can go, you know, so like the race takes place almost like the new Mario Kart. So it takes place in different environments. It's like a sort of Paris Dakar type thing. So then they have to go, there's even a segment where they go underwater and stuff like that. You know, like the cars have to be able to, and then they have their battles underwater and like the sea creatures and stuff. Mm. You have to do something in the sequel, don't you, to sort of... It would just, to, I to... think it's as much about the characters as it is the racing, which is a funny thing. But like, I just feel like this is a bit more towards that. So I think the state of racing doesn't necessarily need to change. Uh, you know, he does talk about in the first one how, you know, obviously the people, the buy-ins, the money, that's what matters about the sort of the race world. Uh, mm. And in the same way, you know, a lot of people still consider boxing to be fixed um, because of what it, the state of it, what it used to be like, you know, when mafiosos mm. were running it and everything like that. People still consider that to this day, even like in professional leagues for that, throwing shade at boxing. So, so who's so who's directing and producing it? Because mm. if it is if it is the same, then we're gonna have it's got to be about the special effects, right? So because yeah. that's a that's a mainstay throughout mm. them all. So we you've got to ramp up the special. It, effects, it is right? called Speed Racer as well. So let's or, not forget. Or the are we then. taking it away? Are we taking it to someone else completely different who then takes the the, the 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 ridiculous sort of visual element of everything and then just almost takes that away and goes towards the the characters? So we lose that element in this in the um, I, sequel. Do you know what would be interesting? There was an episode of like Love, Death, and Robots with that was like sort of half painted people, like half live action i can't remember which one it is it's where the guy's like sort of looking at the person through the window and then runs through mm. the street after them but it's like i, I definitely think it's like rotoscopes yeah I'd, maybe that would be interesting to do similar like to that. waking life or or something like that or, so or maybe, maybe rotoscoping would be interesting mm. to sort of still give it that flavor of like the old it's the smash between the film and then the animation but maybe not all the parts of it need to be like that maybe some of them are in real life and then maybe all the racing changes to rotoscoping like you're almost in like a a different um mindset you know like when you go into the racing it's like a whole different thing so you mm. can have this interesting art contrast between the rotoscope style racing and then the real life quite hard-hitting moments of like uh like love between the family and stuff like that mm. um i think basically everybody if they possibly can reprises their roles um okay that was my next question. I think yeah. if, if, if Emil Hirsch would do it, he's not doing anything else. Yeah. He'd come back. He'd honor the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis would come back, I guess. We're in a world I feel where like uh, either the Wachowskis, one of the Wachowskis would... is doing the Matrix 4, you know, it's just wrapped. The Wachowskis so we're in a world where this would, could happen. They'd either come back or they'd definitely be like executive producers, you know what I mean? Like they'd be there. Right. I don't know who they'd hand off to. And then who takes off who takes up that mantle, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's quite a tough one. I think I mean Gacino comes back. 100% mm -hmm. to do the music like a hundred percent he's all over it even though and he's probably the most expensive thing now after like all the all the things that he scored but mm -hmm. like you know he's definitely back into it um it feels like if the Wachowskis are, they they wouldn't be on it if you were going to move to this other which is more people centric and less visual centric do you know what you I mean? could actually go looking at terminator dark fate and looking at deadpool and looking at the shorts from love death and robot produced by the same guy there you know it, you could go for the director of that film whose name is just escaping at the moment tim miller so you could go for tim miller because he's a big vfx guy he understands dynamism he has a he's a very kinetic sort of camera he's done the live action photography with, with dark fate um and he's a bit irreverent you mm. know he's got that sort of sort of mm. fuck you style um, 
So he's one of the people that could take it on board and, and sort of bring his vision, but also bring the Wachowski's vision out. Um, yeah, my shout for now would be, because you want someone who knows how to bring these elements together. You don't just want someone visual. You don't just want like a Tarsim Singh, you know, did the fall and, yeah. you know, uh, and the cell, because you want someone who also understands maybe the storytelling aspect of it. Um, not that we're pretending the storytelling aspect mm. is superb in Speed Racer, but it but it had its moments, right? And it, and it did something hyper. Uh, it's almost like a kids' film if it hadn't yeah. have been so laden with sort of the politics of racing. And it's it's, it's, it's a very interesting it's, film. With so it's like a, it's it's an adults' film for it's for it's an adults' film for the kids that used to watch Speed Racer and now have grown up and love F one and understand the politics of it and stuff like that. Mm. What um what certificate was it when it came out? I feel like it was only a PG. Mm. I think so. Other. I feel like it was as well because it's got cartoon violence and stuff like it's that. It's a P. It's a PG. It, right? Yeah. So there's no there's no blood drawn. Yeah. Is there? And it's just you know like the worst thing that happens. I think Ch- Chim Chim throws some poo at somebody. But like yeah, but that's kids love that sort of stuff. Don't exactly. They? They, that's literally their favorite thing in the whole world. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if it's if it's a tw- if it's a twelve, do we get what we get? You get one fuck if it's a twelve, don't you? We've already done two in this podcast, so that's yeah. that's bumped up to a fifteen. Hey. Um, I c- but you yeah. know, maybe maybe you get one one of those. It depends if you want somewhere. to. It depends because I think like th- th- maybe one of the criticisms you could level at the first one was it can't decide whether it's a family film, uh, an adults film, or a kids film, and mm. I think that's, they're all three separate things. So I, I would ins- I would say in this one you can make it a thrilling kids film. You know, and make it for children, but make it um, thrilling at the same time. A family film, I mean, sorry. Like the same way that Pixar's Inside Out, there's n- there are no children that are going to be understanding the nuances of that. But the colourful blobs running around is completely Interesting obvious. enough, though, my little one now describes some of his feelings mm. via who's in charge <laughs> in his head. Yeah, so that's when he's great. having when he's in, um, when he's... Uh, angry or sad yeah, he yeah. will he will t- uh, oh he does something that he doesn't want to like, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. anger's taking over and he's like i want i want joy to come back and like so we we actually been helping him through his emotions yeah. using inside out so that's it's really i think kids so pick up great. a lot on these things so because you don't have to speak down to them do you but at the same time you perhaps don't have to fill it with politics and and, yes, and structure you won't but, get the but yeah putting stuff in there yeah that's a good that's a great yeah, idea and obviously kids it... won't get your favorite joke from inside out sean which is this is cloud town jake <laughs> yeah yeah i love that chinatown joke i was the only person who laughed in the cinema uh, at that joke at chinatown reference um but yeah so, but thanks ryan that's a fantastic um idea for speed racer to uh to your cars or Speed Racer 2, what do you want to call it? Speed no, Racer no, it would be, Speed it would be... Racer to your cars. Oh, Surely. I, the, that's good. The number two. Come is, on. I think, but I also <laughs> love real, real race car it. driver. Real um, race car different driver. Different territories, you can have different titles for it. I like it. I think it will be received, it won't be particularly received very well. It will just make its money back in the box office, but because the Wachowskis are attached to it in some way, shape or form, it will become a cult classic. Yeah, thanks for that, Ryan. That was um, that, uh, Speed Racer has a fantastic sort of anti-establishment sort of message in it f- for a studio film, and I'm, I, I like that sort of that you've taken it and made it sort of human again. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I would definitely watch that. Um, so my my um, pitch—it's very much a first draft. This is very much a first draft. It's definitely not got the right 
components and additives that are necessary to make it um, sort of uh, a whole. Um, but mine starts um, with salam and welcome. And you are close <laughs> on the loom of fate as it weaves the tapestry of fate. Um, the backstory and anything we need to know is revealed here. Any preamble is told uh, while roving through the interweaving of threads and fabrics. And at the end of the tapestry, that gives, you know, whatever backstory we actually need is all told in this sort of wonderful, sort of, uh, uh, sort of woven way. Um, and at the end of the tapestry, there's a space, the colour and size and shape of a carpet that has been torn away. So this is hand animated, uh, purple skies, the white pop of twinkling stars, uh, bronze rolling dunes and the vista of Agrabah. So this is uh, Aladdin 2. This is a sequel Yay. to Aladdin. Um, maybe in some territories it's called Aladdin Cave of Wonders, but it's Aladdin 2. Um, and it's a direct sequel to the first Aladdin and it completely rewrites the entirety of Return of Jafar and King of Thieves. I think it's called King right, of Thieves, yeah. the third one. So it presumes that they were TV movies. It just writes them out of the canon completely. And the TV series as well, which I cannot remember at all. Um, and it fits itself directly in um, after the first Aladdin. So there's a whimsical uh, sort of musical number about a faraway place. Um, but we're moving away from Agrabah. So we're moving to a place further away, much, much further away. It's to, it's to a different plane. And we are in the land of the Council of the Genies. So this is where they live. So they're all genies of all different shapes and sizes, um, all different colours, all different styles, all the different styles. Of, and what they basically are is it's every um, comedy alum of Robin Williams. So it's every comedian that would love and pay tribute to Robin Williams. They're all here. The genies are all made up of every... And, and that also means the serious comedians. It means the political comedians. It means the irreverent ones. It's, you know, it's, it's, you've got every different kind of comedian you can imagine. And that colours, if you like the flavour of these genies. It gives them their own unique personalities because you have to be a bit absurd but also a bit real to be a genie. So what what time period are we talking here? Because there's obviously spectrums of comedian. Like, I'd love to see a Chris Farley um, genie. Uh, are so are you saying all, that actual comedians will play, will yes, voice all of these? exactly. Okay. And they're all living comedians, but they all play from the comedians that knew Robin Williams while he was doing his circuits to the comedians now that pay tribute to him. It's a whole so, spectrum of comedians that you'll so notice. So the film is coming out... So the film is out 2020, is that what you're the saying? The film's out 2020, 2021. Fine, okay, because yeah. obviously Chris... Yeah, Chris Farley's not with us. So no, like no, so it's, a, so it's coming out now and it's saying it's a direct sequel to the first Aladdin. Fine, okay. Um, and they... There's, you know, there's all these cameos. There's some comedy banter. There's a very much like an administrative sort of council feel, sort of a civil service type feel to this meeting. You know, there are all these amazing, wonderful genies, but there's still someone taking the minutes. There's still, you know, there's someone Skyping in. There's a bit of remote working type stuff going on with the genies. Um, they're all, some of them are away in their lamps, for example. Um, and uh, they discuss how their leader, the, the king of the genies, um, is away on sabbatical. And they, there's the inference that, that Robin Williams' genie, um, uh, they don't realise he's got his freedom, um, or maybe some of them do, but there's such a bureaucratic nightmare that, that the, the information hasn't trickled down to them yet. Um, but he is actually and has been the king of the genies, and that's why he is the way he is. He leads, you know, they're all that, that way because he, his style, he was their leader. 
Um, but that was never mentioned in the in the original film. Um, you know, he hasn't put his out of office on, so so they don't know where he is. Uh, so or is out of lamp or whatever you whatever you want to call it. So in lieu of leadership, there is this mysterious genie that that votes on a new premises. He he thinks that the the council of genies it's it's it needs to be fixed up. They need something else. Um, most people are working from lamp anyway. So so this mysterious figure, um, <laughs> which we know now to be the genie Jafar from the end of the Ooh. first film. Like bear in mind, ah. now he's a genie. He gets a seat on the council. Right? Yeah, phenomenal cosmic power. Right, itty bitty mm. living space. So he thinks, well, I'm tired of this. So I want to. Um, so in lieu of leadership, let us um, let us resurrect uh, the cave of wonders deep in in the desert. I I just looked at my notes. I've written the word desert, but that's okay. I know what it means. Um, deep, Same thing. Deep in Same the thing. desert um, is their new HQ. So they go, yeah, yeah, why not? You know, because all the genies are good, right? They're all, you know, fairly good. And they might be irreverent, but they, but they're good. So they, yeah, yeah. So they, they, um, they agree to this because they know that in order to give um, uh, ultimate cosmic power over the genies, to give the, the, the to get the new king of the genies in in uh, Robin Williams' stead, they need the gemerald of, of pure genies' blood, and it is it is held within the cave of wonders, um, all instigated by the evil. Uh, genie Jafar. So they raise back the talking uh, effigy of, of the lion or the panther or whatever it was. Who disturbs my slumber? <laughs> it is I, Jafar! And that's probably <laughs> when we, it's revealed that it's Jafar, right? Jafar the genie! Um, and they raise it, but when they go inside, they look at the figure that should be holding the pure genie's blood gemerald, and it is missing. So they are beside themselves because this gem is missing. Is uh, am I going to spoil it if I tell you? You can't go on. Take a you, guess? Can, you can take is that, a guess. Is that the gem that Abu stole it at the very beginning? It certainly is. <laughs> so where does this gem turn up? Well, we um, you know we cut to make way for Sultan Ali, and here comes <laughs> like you know it's the it's the it's the wedding of Princess Jasmine and Aladdin. Now I have I've messed I don't know the timelines of this. I've, I think it should take place like a decade afterwards, but then why they're getting married a decade afterwards, I don't know. Maybe it's a celebration of their anniversary. It's a celebration it. for their an- the anniversary. Ten years. And it's sort of oh, renewing and their vows. Now a gorilla. Like. A boost now gorilla because obviously <laughs> we've established well, earlier. How monkeys we've work. established earlier that's how monkeys, you know, evolve. Abu is, and I'll get to him, is in fact married to a gorilla. You know, that's his wife. He was like a beautiful, ah. wonderful, like in, you know, force in his life. You know, stops him from being a little naughty scamp and a thief, and keeps him on the straight and narrow. He's now. I'd have loved him to be married to a flamingo. Oh actually. yeah, okay. All right, we've changed it now. It's a flamingo. I told you this was the first draft. Um, <laughs> One of the flamingos in the garden, and he always gets it wrong who it is, and he always goes up and cozies up to the wrong no, flamingo. No, 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 wait. Are you not on about? Are you not on about? Um, Iago, Iago pretended to be a flamingo. Yeah, yeah. but Will, I, I like the flamingo thing though. I think that's good. It's a throwback. Um, so Abu, um, he's also the right hand, by the way. Abu is the right hand of the. Um, uh, he, he's the vizier's role. Yeah, um, in this, and um, so so. You know, we know it's them renewing their vows. They're doing it atop the palace in front of the roving crowds. Abu appears and produces the red gem stolen from the Cave of Wonders, and we recognize it as the Gemerald now. Uh, he was saving it for this moment. You know, he knew he wanted to save it for um, a special moment and then renewing their vows and everything. And they've done wonderful things to the city of Agrabah, um, which I'll get to. So 
Uh, bashfully, he offers it to Jasmine and she gratefully accepts. You know, he's the sort of guy who would offer it bashfully because he's not that sort of character. He's normally a cheeky guy, but here, Apple? He's, Apple? <laughs> here Apple? he's doing something good. Um, Iago's there. He's happy to be in good company. You know, he's happy not to be abused by Jafar. He was an abused figure, right? Jafar mm. was really mean to him and he had to keep up this facade of being evil, in, you know, for... Um, he even imitates the I do, you know, when they renew their vows in Jasmine's voice, like he did, you know, with as we were talking about with the, <laughs> with the, the what are they called? The pink things, the flamingos out in the back I, garden. Doesn't, so doesn't Iago get sucked into the genie's lamp with, mm-hmm. at, the with at the end of Aladdin 1? He does. Good point. Um, <laughs> and and I hate to I hate to be that person, but the gem in the first one melts when he puts it back on the idol when they escape the cave of wonders. Oh, yeah. But maybe we could say that was a hallucination. Oh, it didn't I did. So I, I forgot that point. Yeah. Um, both of those <laughs> points. But let's figure out how we work ways around this because this is what they do. So it was a hallucination. So it didn't actually. He still had it in his pocket afterwards. So we can have a flashback. To where he thought it was because <laughs> yeah. it was that's the genie or the the cave of wonder magic. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But he actually still had it and it had gone into his pocket. So why don't we? So Iago escapes from the lamp at the start, right? From the <gasps> cave. He's of not wonders. actually a genie, is he? No. So maybe that could be him flying through. He flies. The this is the prologue the that you see in yeah. the tapestry, and he escapes, yeah. and he comes back to tell them what their plan is, mm-hmm. and they and they welcome him and forgive him with open arms, right? And he becomes leader of the army. So he's the he's the head of the army. Of Agrabah, by the way. Right. Iago, Sorry, Ryan. What did, what did you Iago want to say? should definitely the. the <laughs> so you know how that Iago would imitate a flamingo, mm-hmm. right? A flamingo would tries to imitate Iago, and that's the one that gets sucked into the lamp. With. It's <laughs> <laughs> a flamingo um, in there. So Jafar yeah, turns around. Flamingo with Jafar. And there's a flamingo. Yeah, and that's his psychic the whole time, and he keeps turning to the flamingo. Try and, and get it just says nothing. It's useless. And it's like, and it's it's painted itself red <laughs> yeah. to look like the impression of a flamingo. Yeah, yeah. It tries to do its best, like because it, it saw because it know? saw him. It saw Iago trying to <laughs> pretend to be a flamingo, so it tries to do it the other way round. Yeah, yeah. And like, and it's at that exact moment it flies in trying to do it. When when all the shit hits the fan, and then that's the one that that's gets great. sucked in. I even so know again, how silly this is, but you. I love the idea that Jafar thinks it's still Iago, but like something's <laughs> happened when he got sucked into the lamp. So he's he's got like, Iago, you've changed. You know, he used to be quite talkative, and it's it's really it's a flamingo who's like dressed itself up like Iago. Um, okay, yeah. So we left. Yes, you're right. So it, you, you're right about those points. I'm glad you reminded me. We'll figure out a way around it. Um, all right, so they've made loads of change over the last decade, you know, in this in Agrabah. Um, they're real activists um, as leaders. They've they introducing change for the peasantry. They're trying to abolish the, the you know the type of you know so that they aren't those street rats and low lives. You know, they're trying to change um, so that everybody has equal opportunities. Um, you know, Aladdin is a spokesperson of the people. He he conducts regular uh, education at his old haunt that overlooks the city and overlooks the the palace. Um, uh, Raja has died because he's a cat. He doesn't live very long, but he's the, the visage. He's the emblem of, of Jasmine's army and for her foundation, her orphanage for the children of Agrabah. So he's there in spirit. Um, and they're fighting for this change and they acknowledge in, in, in lieu of not having a genie how much better it is to uh, be fighting for this change, to come up from the, the ashes and be muddy and sweaty and dirty, but to have won something positive. They know how much better that is 
than wishing it to happen and it happening. You know, it's very much like they've very, very much learned that from the first film. Um, so yeah, Iago's head of the army and advisor, gets to be in charge. He's respected, you know, his tactics because he's a tactician. He was very intelligent. He was running a lot of the scans for um, for Jafar. true, he was, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. he's respected finally for his tactics. He was and the ideal guy. And taken back. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at the Cave of Wonders, this is sort of the turning point. At the Cave of Wonders, a decision has been made. They, they recall a genie from a long-forgotten self-imposed exile, a rogue genie. So it is a genie that is in control of their own lamp. Not a genie who has been freed, but a genie who is in control of their own lamp, who's almost freed themselves. Um, and they don't know why. So they, they, and, but before a decision can be made, they go into self-imposed exile, so the decision doesn't have to be made. Um, but they recall this rogue genie, and they need her help. And this genie has the same sort of irreverent streak as Robin Williams, m- you know, matches Robin Williams' energy in many ways. Um, and they they uh, request her help. She's almost like a, an, a hunter. So they they send her out into the world to, to be taken, you know, as if a genie by lots of different people to, to find out secretly what's going on. And slowly she pretends to make wishes for people. She pretends she's, she's been controlling it's been sorry controlled by these people but really she's just changing hands from you know the lamp from person to person so she can eventually find is, the secrets about where this gemerald is is she like so you know that you need to talk about monkey paws and mm. wishes with monkey paws and how there's always like a consequence for that is that how she she delivers the wishes for people Right, she's that sort of. So yeah, you get it, but and it's like, and that's why she's a bit rogue. Because you want to stick with like the sort of the pantomime version of Aladdin. You could have her as the genie of the ring, so you could have a ring rather than a lamp, and that's why she's able to break the mm. lamp rules. Maybe. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, exactly. And people wear this ring. Yeah, that's perfect. Which then eventually can be fashioned. You know, also just slips the... off. She changes the size of it, and it just falls on the yeah, floor yeah, every that, time. That's she great. wants to move. She moves on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's that's a great idea. And also, like as you were saying, Ryan. Yeah, I think that's also a great idea. So she has the, um, but it's not monkey's paw in a negative. It's almost like if you wish for great riches, then um, she gives you uh, things that actually matter in life under riches, and you learn that you don't need money. You need something else. Community. You need worth. Um, you know, self-worth. So, you know, if you what you wish for, you get something different, but it's positive. So it's the anti-monkey's uh, poor almost. I okay. Mm. I sort of I saw her. Well, talk to no, her about I'll, being a rogue. I'll, a rogue I'll get genie. to that. I'll get to that. Fine. Okay. So Jafar, he is the genie of hedonism. He is the genie of sin. So what he can do uh, as, as to evolve the the, the yeah uh, to evolve the genies as a sort of mythos in this world because you want to expand that out and there's lots of spin-offs to go down with the council of genies right with lots of different actors um, you have um, him be the the genie Jafar is the genie that can grant the wishes of people's deepest darkest desires their secrets he un unasked for wishes he makes come true so when you think to yourself God I wish that person was dead. You don't mean it, but you wish it in your head. He makes so it. He happen. can break the rules. He breaks the rules. That was stated. Oh. But but only if someone has wished it in their heart of hearts. If only someone in their mm-hmm. darkest place has wished that, he can make it happen without them even saying it. Um, so that's why he's such a nefarious force. So even the other genies, he can he can feel their sort of their wishes and and feed off of that. That's how he's so manipulative. So ah. I haven't got. Well, what are you going to say? Jafar, aka. 
Death Note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um I haven't got an actor for the um for the female sort of um foil uh, sort of compa- comparative to Catherine Ryan. <laughs> we do you know what I was thinking Catherine Ryan. We had this conversation the night about Catherine Ryan, and I honestly thought of her as one of the um one of the influences, but I wasn't quite sure. Whether she's the go right choice, Maya, maybe Why Maya Rudolph. Hmm. Both, both really interesting choices. Also, also uh, born on the fourteenth of November, so you know, <laughs> dropping my sis in there as um, well. There's nothing special about the fourteenth of November. It's Diwali, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, I went. I've been to see Catherine Ryan live. Mm-hmm. Is it just once, maybe twice? Um, and she's been. She's got a new series as well. Mm-hmm. Out, hasn't she? Mm. So I think she might be. And she's, I mean, she is brilliant. Yeah. And her live stuff is totally irreverent. Do you know I mean, like, she's got that kind okay, of... Okay, so... What I'd kind of comedy in. do you want, though? That's the thing. Well, yeah, like, that's the thing. Because if you comedy. want someone that wants to wants to match... Um, if you want someone that's going to match sort of Robin Williams', Robin Williams. Energy, energy, yeah. then there's the woman uh, that's in... She was in the Mindy Project. Um, she... Oh, or maybe Mindy Kaling herself. If you want to keep it as an Asian actor. You, you want like you want yeah, the, that's that kind idea. of crazy. Because you're right, Catherine Ryan doesn't have that like, like in like not with that busy energy. Do you know what I mean? Like it really sort of mm. kid friendly energy, I guess. What about the um, what about uh, oh my god, I can't remember her name. She dated, I think she dated James Acaster for a while. It's a horrible way of remembering someone. Um, that is she, uh, so Fortune Femister is the person I'm thinking of. She's okay. the, uh, the American woman with like the short blonde curly hair. Um, what about the Brit lady quite... with the with the blonde hair? The, the, she's quite sort of. I, I bought you her book. I bought Sarah her book, Dan. It's Sarah, Sarah Pascoe. Pascoe. Yeah, Sarah Pascoe, right? Like, I know that sounds yeah, odd, good. right? No, but no, she no, but she has a good. kind of energy that that is like warm and sort of unusual. That British energy is quite interesting, and that sort of mm-hmm. wants to be. Hesitate to say progressive, but like she's, it's just you can she can dial the energy in whilst not being too American. I don't know. I I don't know. And she's got a bit of a childlike nature to her as well when she wants to. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. So Sarah Pascoe could be an interesting sort of, um, sort of uh, sort of thing to galvanise the tone over. Um, Sorry, Ryan, you were suggesting. I suggest Fortune Femster. She is like she's from the Mini Project. She's mm-hmm. got that sort of um, larger than life style comedy that mm. Robin Williams brought. And mm-hmm. so, if you want someone to match that sort of same style, you know that sort of like big jolly comedy, mm. uh, she would be my recommendation. Mm. Okay, well, I'll come with an American check her out accent, after though. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, all right, so I'll just I'll just round this up, and you can tell I haven't really got any plot. There's no plot in here, really, or how any of the, the threads yes, come together. You've got more plot than I have, so that's <laughs> so um so we meet a lot of characters along the way because it spans a long period of time. I think the story until Aladdin and Jasmine are very old, and I haven't. I arguably just because um, I just wrote this very quickly, and it's from an old idea as well. I some old bits of ideas. I think there's not really. I haven't really got a massive role for Jasmine, but they would be obviously in the in the overall thing. Um, I ju- this is just clearly a first draft. But Carpet, I think inalienably, Carpet is like basically everyone's favorite character. Like you can't. Everyone falls in love with Carpet. Carpet's hilarious. There's no question. There's nothing for 
for you to not like about him. So therefore, I think like even though Robin Williams, um, you know, brings the thunder, Carpet is like just he is the he's the driving force throughout the whole thing. So Carpet, we we find Carpet ten years later. He's a carpet salesman in Agrabah, and what he does nice. is he just wants a quiet life. Um, he's he's doing very well as a carpet salesman because he mimes um, being a salesman. And he gets like, you know, the first time you see him, he gets an entire family to walk away with an entire like cartload of different carpets because he's such a good salesman. Um, but, he, you know, he puts on like a sort of, um, he puts a pipe in his mouth and a beret and a moustache and he like, he, people think he's human. Like, that's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those silly things mm. where he manages to come off as human. They go, oh, you're an interesting fellow. And like, they don't ever know he's tips, a carpet, right? Tips his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but he, he's missing something, right? He doesn't realise that he is, in fact, part of the very fabric of life itself. Um, and he um, he tries to blend in. Um, he sells in a, you know, regular carpets. Um, but one day he finds a loose thread in the street. A loose story thread, maybe. But he, fi- <laughs> he finds a loose thread and he follows it. And it takes him to the Cave of Wonders where it's revealed that the genies themselves, they write the very fabric of, of, of fate itself. Um, and... The wishes are like a necessary part of leaping the world in different directions. Um, so these wishes actually, the, the, the reason that they can grant wishes is because they can give people these things that perhaps they're luck, you know, aren't they? So like off their own steam, they might not have been able to get this thing, but it evolves this part of the world in a different way. So they really sort of leap things forward and backwards um, um, as part of this big loom. Um, so I think it's... Um, there's an emancipation storyline in there, you know, to free the shackled genies. Um, you know, there's this element that like they give music and technological advancement and art to the world, but they're enslaved. You know, it's quite an interesting sort of, they give people what they want, but they're, but they are, um, you know, at the whims of, of someone. Um, and then you have this sort of big climactic battle where Jafar's broken staff is in two pieces, um, which, which happened, it shattered in the, in, at the end of Aladdin. Um, so you have Aladdin and Jafar with half the staff each battling out. Um, the, the final battle is them old. Uh, they're at the Cave of Wonders that um, is, with the power of the genies unshackled, comes out and fights, you know, like as, as an animal made of sand. And like, as he's attacked, gold and jewels fly out of him, you know, like because all of his insides. That's cool. um, yeah. And Jafar, oh, I've written down Jafar as a zombie. So I don't. Somehow he dies and is brought back he, to life. He actually looks like the old Mac. Give me the lamp, boy. Yeah, he exactly. Looks like yes, that. He's like it. some warped, twisted version of himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know who disturbs my slumber? It is I, Aladdin. And then he, and, but as an old man, and he brings and the, and and then out rises the cave of wonders to fight on the side of good. Um, and you know, so I think that's basically it. it's it's coming to terms with mortality. Um, you know, because with Robin Williams passing as well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's a song about, it ends with a song about having seen the world with you because they're both old Aladdin and Jasmine, you know, and it's not a whole new mm-hmm. world. It's like, we've seen the world together and carpet takes right. them to different locales and it's a metaphor for them dying, you know, and to come to terms with mortality. Robin Williams, if he was, if he was there to voice the genie, it being, um, free of the lamp could you know and being immortal would mean that he would watch all of his friends die so there's yeah. something in that you know so sort of something deeply sad in that i think um yeah yeah it's amazing i love it there's a really sad thing because i was about to say would you think they'd take 
um, clips of like outtakes in the first one of Robin, mm. and then put them into the into the film. But then there's um there's he's actually taken a le- legal proceedings, hasn't he? That none of his stuff can be so used. posthumously used, right? Posthumously for twenty, I think it's twenty five years or something to protect his um to protect his family. Mm. So um, I, I th- we found this when we were trying to listen to the soundtrack. Wow. For, for my little one, yeah. you can't. The friend like me isn't on there. Wow. Um, Prince Ali. The the rest of the soundtrack is, but anything with Robin Williams, you can't. You can't. The was that actioned after Williams. he passed away? Then did they retract? I think it, it was part the, of his will. Right. I think it was part wow. of his will. God, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I and I can see, and that is interesting because I think people, um, actors and 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 other sort of people in the public, I they should be more concerned about their rights and because if they can bring people back to the dead with, with CGI and deep fakes mm-hmm. and other things I think people need to be worried about whether they're going to be used for somebody else's gain so I think no I think I think you know in the, I think it's to, there's an element of this that deals with passing and deals with like how you remember and deals with like sort of mortality um, but I don't think I... the genie's present I think they acknowledge that he's not coming back because he doesn't yeah. have to and they don't need him and but in the beautiful way that you can let friends and loved yeah. ones go because you know they you're... shape their lives. Yes, they shape exactly. Lives. Yeah, yeah. Right, completely left field. Mm-hmm. Is there a weird boner moment like many young Asian boys had when watching the first Aladdin film? You know, when she puts on the crown, she's like, "Oh, Jafar," and that was like my first weird boner. <laughs> I don't understand. Hot why. Jasmine. Hot yeah. Jasmine. Is there a moment like that in the film? Jasmine was hot from the beginning. Let's not. Doesn't have to be. Even. And also, I think. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, I want to know that, and I want to know what happened to. Still, I think he's rather tasty. I want to know what happened to that woman. Maybe did she go to the pie shop, or like, <laughs> what's going on with her? Well, I don't know about um, rather tasty woman. Oh no, I do. She's married, and she's old, and she's married to the guard <gasps> to captain. The captain of the guard. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah lovely. Um, <laughs> and so, some of those characters have to reprise their roles definitely mm-hmm. um and in terms of like i think that's why that's why i love women from new york was because of that film like it's just the <laughs> accent I, I, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that yeah. I don't, I, there's so much i was talking to so aladdin's my favorite disney mm-hmm. film yeah mine too. and other people are trying to convince me otherwise don't at me mm-hmm. and i realized it's because it's the first time i saw someone in a lead role in a cartoon mm-hmm. that had my colour skin. Yeah. And so we were talking <laughs> for, uh, well, yeah, well, actually I was, a, to be fair, I was a lot darker when I was younger than I am now, which is strange. Go back and look at pictures of us when we were younger. We are probably a little It's bit the darker. lockdown. It's given us all jaundice. <laughs> Paled out. That's what it is. Um, culturally trying to fit in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember thinking, I didn't know, I don't know why. I, I know now why I enjoyed that more mm. because I saw myself in Aladdin. I genuinely wanted to be Aladdin mm. when I was younger. So um, yeah, me too. It'd be really interesting to see how Aladdin, as a grown-up, mm. now reflects me as a grown-up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Married, maybe with kids. Has he got kids? Have I just didn't. Kids? I know there are kids in like some of the other movies. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to touch that as a plot point. Not that I don't think that he mm. should, they should have kids. But maybe probably. they just have them. Yeah. They just have them. They're just a part of their life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like, yeah, so it's not necessarily about parenthood because that's covered in a lot of no. other things um, mm-hmm. and a lot of other Disney films. But um, yeah, definitely about aging out and trying to leave a legacy that leaves the world more positive than when you came into it. You know, that's, I think um, that's, that's it. Here's, so here's something that maybe the internet will go crazy for, right? Does it acknowledge the fact and the conspiracy theory that Aladdin is actually set in the future 
because that's why, like in a post-apocalyptic world, that's why there's sand everywhere. That's why everything is sort of manual. And that's why the genie can um, mm-hmm. do impressions of people in and our timeline. cars in and been, stuff. No, yeah. that, no that, that theory, it, it, it throws that theory out of the water, but it tells you that the genies are, sorry, internet, um, but it tells you a much better story that the genies are capable of seeing forward and backwards in time. They understand the weave of time they are the ones that, that see the branches of time they're right, the ones okay. that can pull things from different mm-hmm. realities and different times because of their nature you know the very nature of being these sort of transcendent uh, beings so that's that's how we, we're going to handle it they're going to be these creatures of out live outside of our spectrum um but yeah so i'm, I'm hoping that it's it has you know it <laughs> it's a completely ridiculous idea that would never be made um but I would like to see, I like, you know, when I have times when I'm locked indoors or I'm, or I'm having a tough week, I like to imagine, as I think everybody does, like what these characters that you've grown up with and that you've known and loved, like what they what would they be do doing. Now. Yeah. So yeah, that was my um, that was my idea for a, a sequel or some sort of spiritual successor to a film I've I've loved and, and held dear for a long time. We've all loved. Ba- yeah, we're all loved. bastardizing it probably in many ways for everybody else. But I want to hear in the comments, um, uh, put it out there for everyone to see. Um, I want I want to see your favourite uh, sequels, follow up ideas that you've you've held in your brain but not told anyone. You know these ideas you have when you think god i wish they'd done that i wish they you know i wish I'd they'd love to hear a bunch of disney sequels yeah. like beauty and the beast what's happened beauty and the beast 2 yeah what's happening now yeah 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 and disregard all of the you know do a days of future past or whatever disregard all yeah. of the ones you don't like yeah or superman returns just go straight back to you know the sequel to, Un- to undo and the everything beast. yeah, yeah. Love it. anastasia um, 2 the road to El Dorado too. No, okay. All right. Um, Dan, um, I'm really excited to hear. Uh, hopefully it will be half the length. Not that I'm trying to constrict you, but I was bored with my own pitch halfway through that. So I'm hoping that you can Thanks. give us... It's that, that's, a, that's another classic Sean offhanded comment about clearly was bored halfway through mine too. No, no. I was very clear about being bored halfway through mine. Um, that's why <laughs> I don't glad often to know, pitch. Yeah, you'd be glad to know my, um, my efforts are of the same level as they are every time. So I've got a great initial idea and uh-huh. we'll all need to pad out. All right. Um, so mine is a sequel to Titanic. Oh. Mm. It's called Titanic 2 from the depths. And it picks up literally from the end of the last one mm-hmm. where we've seen her throw the heart of the ocean mm-hmm. whoop, <laughs> yes, into the ocean. Perfect. And <laughs> And they decide to turn the ship around. Uh-huh. And we follow that heart go all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. And it sparks. <laughs> There's something inside it. It's wiggly, spirity type thing. <laughs> it shoots out from out from the thing, mm-hmm. straight into the tiny and there's a big <laughs> you know, one of the things. Uh-huh. And this got green, bluey mist goes through the Titanic's hull, which is resting at the bottom of the uh-huh. ocean. And all the bodies that are slowly decomposing at a slower rate because it's freezing down there. There's no pressure, no oxygen. It's all working. And the spirits go through the body. And one of them twitches. 
as slowly the lost souls of the Titanic begin to rise to the surface. <coughs> Titanic 2 from the depths. <laughs> that's uh, roll credits. Um, <laughs> so basically, it turns out that old uh, Cal, is it Cal the, the evil guy? Yes, um, Billy, Billy, who is he played by? Billy, 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 Billy uh, Zane. Billy Zane, he's Billy. so good in that movie. That's <laughs> the Zane. best, not that I'm suggesting anyone should do this, but that's the best table flip I've ever seen in a movie. He's so good. At one point, he just incensed with, with um, privilege. <laughs> he just flips that table, it's just amazing. That's it. it Cal, Cal Hockley, I think he was, uh-huh. right? So he, it turns out that the reason he is rich, the, the whole point is that um, Kate Winslet's meant to be marrying Rose. Rose is meant to be marrying Cal mm. to, to increase their fortunes. But the reason they're rich is because they've had this heart of the ocean. This is why he's so furious that he's given it away to her at the end of the, end of the original Titanic. Mm-hmm. But it has, it contains spirits of the dead who have been giving them like advice on what to invest in and stuff like that. Oh, okay. But, spirit, but the spirits have been. This is the the, the take, and the spirits have gone down. The, the heart of the ocean is broken. These spirits have got out, and it's like a necromonicon. It's it's mm-hmm. like it raises. It's a necromancy, and it raises the dead spirits. And because mm-hmm. there's so much pain and anguish because of the Titanic, the ship itself begins to rise as mm-hmm. a ghost ship, right? Mm-hmm. And that ghost ship and the and the lost souls bring down the ship that is in. That, is, that was been sailing. I don't know what, what's the guy in that. Yeah, um, Bill Pullman. Is it Pullman? Bill, Bill Pullman. Bill yeah, Paxton? Bill, Paul, Bill Pullman. Paxton. Bill Paxton. Paxton. Brock. Brock. Love it. Uh-huh. He's um that that ship. They've turned around. Oh, I'll give up. I give up. And then the Titanic rises up before him. He's like, Oh my God! And just before it crashes down on their ship, and they all sink and they all die. Therefore, like, oh, everyone on that ship dies again. Right. Gone. So they would be characters. If would they rise from the dead as spirits as well? These people. Well, this is what will happen. So then there, there's a search ship that goes out to find them because they've gone down. Like, oh my god! It's the Titanic. Uh huh. And everyone's like, oh my god! They get this back. Morgan Freeman gets it back at the base, right? And um, he decides to set out to see what's happened. But he's he's always known. He's always known something was wrong. With the Titanic, he's been researching the, the sort of the spirituality of the and the, the dangers right. of the of the. They were going across this, this ship route, and it happened to go through oh. like a, a place of ley line. Crossing. I was just going to say, is it ley lines? And that's why they. That's why the iceberg came out of nowhere, and hit them. Anyway, so he takes his team, of I think it should be Angelina Jolie. Sandra Bullock, Steven Seagal, mm-hmm. and we should probably have Arnold Schwarzenegger as a cameo in there at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Along with Billy Zane, who has come back, he's heard, but he's on a different, he's on a different sort of um, ship, like a search party. Mm-hmm. They've been going out to try and find this heart of the ocean. He needs it back. He needs it back. And there's only they've just found out that she's been going on this trip out there. Anyway, so they they all go, and it, it's basically uh, a thriller horror sort of dead zombie movie, yeah. effectively. Yeah. Based on Titanic, and we see like when the ship comes up, it's cra- it obviously crashes, breaks some ships. Uh, the 
the musicians are playing Abide With Me, but sort of it's a minor key and they, they bring the ship down and it crashes in and you just hear it go underneath and mm-hmm. can I, people are screaming to get up. Can I say that what be interesting is if the ship come, like the, sh- the different search parties get there mm-hmm. and the ship comes up and comes out of the water... And they're like, oh my God, can you guys see this? And for some reason, like none of their GPSs work, none of their radios work, none of their phones yeah. work, but the ship is just like there and they go and they like touch the hull and it's physical. It's real. And yeah. then oh, so absolutely. they start to go back into the, the Titanic, like the search parties go back into it. That's what they have to do. Yeah. But, so, mm. but they've got two broken parts. So one search party's on one part, one's on the other, and they've got to try and find, the idea is to find the heart of the ocean again to try and, undo the mm-hmm. curse that has been put on it um and so yeah it's basically some kind of tense it's all zombie though so they're zombies they're not spirits they're actually the physical oh. characters so we'll get to see oh, those okay. people come back that's amazing that we, so you've got like this awful billy zane zombie rather yeah. than like a ghostly spirit it's a proper that's zombie right, yeah. movie absolutely yeah so there's a zombie, zombie movie, movie set on the titanic with yeah. the people who just finished the t- on the titanic in the modern ship going back through having to like sort out all the So zombies. the people that, yeah, the people that are on the, well, the new people going back through. Right. The, in the modern day, going back through the old Titanic. Yeah. That we had just seen in Titanic. So is it a splatter Drowning. zombie film? Is it an a- splatter well, action zombie film? I was sort of trying to work out, or? does it go full splatter or is it like proper, like scary? That's a, listen, that's scary. a wicked idea for a film is that like, is like a bunch of people for whatever reason have to go through the Titanic because, yeah. like, there's you know, it's, it's it elapsed long enough ago that there's it's you know it's a tragedy of course, but but yeah. one that you couldn't put into a zombie context. That was that was my wife's worry, right? That was like when I said zombies, the Titanic re rises, and she's like, "Is that is that appropriate? Are you allowed to do that?" And I was like, "Well, I think it's a it's a ridiculous enough idea, yeah, that we're obviously not being disrespectful to the." The Lost Souls there, we are quite obviously, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. utter ridiculous, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they find out, maybe they find out more about why the Titanic sank. And actually, it turns out that it wasn't just the iceberg. Mm. That there was, it was the ley lines, it was all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Wonderful conspiracy theory stuff that goes on. I like that. I like this sort of idea that there's some ghostly people and some non-ghostly people who you see them like they're trying to find each other but you don't realize that one of the two parties has already died and has and has come back yeah so like when they find each other they can't see each other they're in almost in two different timelines or whatever you know Mm -hmm. it's like this so then you have the romance of the the original but twisted in some way in this one well jack's definitely got to come back he's got to be like the zombie lord right yeah he's got to be like the big and he's got right in the the bowels of his neck because he found it yeah Yeah, right in the bowels yeah no 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 it found him yeah. <laughs> found him. That's what she wanted it to do. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. And his love has brought them all back, but it's twisted horribly. Yeah. In fact, you know, he hates her because there was enough room on that door. <laughs> oh, we're going to yeah. go that way with it. It depends on if we're going to have you Cameron. It's got to be DiCaprio as well. It's got to be. It's DiCaprio. got to be in a, in a, in a perfect world that we would get. They would get all come back, right? Oh yeah, for sure. That would be amazing, and they'd be sort of zombified and de-aged as well somehow using like that's Cameron's like technology that he leaps yeah. forward in this one. Um, 
God, that would be good. So Cameron probably wouldn't do it, but how about we get Gore Verbinski to do it, who did the Pirates that, of the Caribbean I mean, franchise? Like, he yeah, would take. Cool. Ta- Cameron would laughingly, jokingly decide to produce it as a sort of a joke, and then he'd go, "Hold on a minute, I can make another billion dollars with this." And he doesn't really <laughs> give a, a shit about his idea. franchises anymore if they can make billions of dollars. So he <laughs> farms it out to Verbinski, like Battle Angel Alita. He farmed out to Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, farms it out. Verbinski makes it. And it's it's you know it's got all the energy of his pirates films, but with, with zombies. And I reckon Verbinski's the kind of guy who has like a you know a reasonable amount of respect for the old zombie films of you know yep. of yesteryear. So he can really make it one of these like because Dawn of the Dead, if you look at it, it you know there's enough essays on it. I'm not going to go into it, but it is a splattery zombie adventure and also about consumerism and and that culture at mm-hmm. that time. So you can have it be a splattery, gory, epic zombie film whilst also um, having a message in there as well, elevating yeah. it slightly to Romero levels. Um, I like it. Titanic 2. What are the, is the two going to be severed zombie fingers? That's done too many times. Is it going to be much. I, th- I think we the smokestacks no, 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 no. of the Titanic? The two, it's, the, it's the funnel, the thingy yes. funnel. Two funnels, yeah. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. But like sort but of... There are slightly angles from where it... It's sinking. So yeah. One's up and one's at an end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. So the ship would be a. It would be a physical thing that can be that people can traverse. Would it look yes. water damaged? Would it look yes, modern? It would, would it... it would look broken. Right. But as you, I guess, as you go deeper, maybe the illusory yeah. idea is that it becomes more and more real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they'll go, they'll maybe they'll go through a door at one point, and it is like the ballroom opens up in the the ballroom. Well, that happens, doesn't it, in the Titanic right at the end? So if you do that, except that they're all zombies, then you just completely shit on that original image. I love it. And Billy Zane's zombie like throws a. Originally, (laughs) I thought he was alive, but actually, he's died. Or maybe he dies early on and comes back as a zombie. Yeah. So he gets there first before Morgan Freeman's lot, because he's he's been and he gets. Killed by DiCaprio. Yeah. Okay, so forgive that's the first me. So, time we see DiCaprio. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Mm. So DiCaprio's there, and he just lays into Billy Zane. Lays but then I sort of like f- Billy Zane coming back as an antagonist. You know, he's still, he's still, he just won't be put down. Yeah, you he know? won't be put down until DiCaprio does. Right. And because he want everyone wanted him to get his comeuppance, but he stole a kid and got in a lifeboat and got away. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how he's ending. So he's got to have some. It's got to be horrible for him, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, so forgive me. I'm just trying to piece it together. So, so um, Morgan Freeman's uh, ship of, of of who are they? Who who is? They're who's... like the search party. They're search like party. the okay. army army seals. That's why Stephen Seagal's there, right? So, because we have <laughs> yeah. Stephen Seagal in there doing pulling some moves. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I feel like it's got we we are we going towards the the level of ridiculous. So I put like uh-huh. Angelina Jolie, some of the sort of established action people mm-hmm. of our time, and Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. in there, and then sort of. But they've got enough chops that they can give a bit, a bit sure. of a reel to that while it, while craziness is going on. I right, I right. like the idea of uh, there being one zombie helping them, and it's the captain because no matter what, a captain mm. will go down with his ship, yeah, and he's like, and he's like the only maybe not honourable one, but I don't know, maybe like the, the the necromantic forces affect him in a different way. He knows that he he's supposed to go down with the ship. That's what a captain does. It's it's unnatural mm-hmm. for him to be here and for the ship to be here. So he will down yeah. the ship again, you know, and, and go down yeah. with it again in order to let the... And, and, and that's releasing the curse and, and giving the job mm-hmm. back and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's and a great... He was great, that captain as well. He was so good, isn't he? Burn, so Titanic 2, From the Depths, the tagline is, Abide with me. 
so um, that's so there were three very very different films, um, uh, very very different ideas for sequels, um, and I, I'm quite impressed how much different ground was covered. Uh, it, 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 not a single one. Seemed. Many genres, many genres covered. <laughs> yeah, um, and good films to 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 uh, well, great I mean, films, great films to. Uh, whatever Titanic two with zombies uh, ended up being, um, but which I, we're not picking winners, but definitely my favourite. And I love Speed Racer, <laughs> but definitely if you make a splatterhouse film out of Titanic, you've got a film I've never seen before. I've seen some yeah. horror films, but ghost shippy type things are supposed to be horrific, whereas a zombie film is it has a bit of I don't know uh, irreverence energy to it, something yeah, something like that. Just yeah. by by the definition of having. Uh, zombies in it they always represent something culturally rather than be the fearsome you know beast itself yeah. um so there's no winners we're all losers here they're all, they're all fantastic ideas we're all losers um but uh, but i'm glad that we can I'm, I'm grateful we can come together and 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 do this this sort of thing and knock about some ideas and so we want to put it out there's very little we can do during the pandemic to support people uh, above and beyond what we're already doing to support our family and the people around us um however if you want to come on slash deep and you want to be given a title and come up with something ridiculous and immortalize uh, your your fantastic ideas that's something we can do so get in touch with us if you want to be a part of this um we'd love for you to be a part of this we're just looking into doing our uh third and fourth quarters um now uh for this season so we would we would love to get people involved if they it because maybe we're not reaching out to everybody that we might think you know has an idea in them you know if you think you've got an idea in you reach out to us and we'd, we'd love to um we'd love to include you so in two weeks in some people sorry. sorry some people have on our socials haven't they um, we've been seeing that we had Rowan give us some lovely, lovely work originally on Bob disposal, and then we got him in on. And we've uh, recently had Taj come on and give us a slew of ideas mm. from the first. Taj was incredibly um, prolific, wasn't he? He did one yeah. for um, Bob disposal, um, and I was really taken by like it, it's really not like because you know we're Asian, of course, as well. So is Taj. But like to see people casting predominantly Asian casts, it's something that we don't normally see. So I was quite taken by that. I thought yeah. that's fantastic. He's um, very helpfully going to school me on Bollywood mm-hmm. um, at some point because uh, after our Bahubali inspired, which I was informed reliably is actually Tollywood rather than Bollywood. So we might do a little um, might do a little interview with him where he can do some Bollywood education for me. That would be fantastic because it's because it's definitely a part of uh, cinema that I'm undernourished in. Um, and he, he, you, you forwarded me some of the messages sent to you when he was informing you of of Bollywood, yeah. Tollywood. And he was like, "No, that's not the Gary Oldman of Bollywood. This is." And it was, this and I was like, Oldman. "I want to." Honestly, something stirred in me. I want, I want Taj to 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 let us know um, what what we can, you know, to to school us on on Bollywood and Tollywood. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. I'm really really. Excited about that, so hopefully we'll um, we'll get him on and we'll have him um, we'll have an episode like that set up because we can all, like if we can learn uh, you know whatever we can learn if we can pass that on or, or, or mm-hmm. if anyone wants to come and school us on a genre that they they understand more than us or that they deal with more than us then we're more than happy to to to, to have you on and interact and his um his Bob disposal idea as well um, I'm a big fan of like. He started with the the logline vampires um, future samurai world, and I was that's it. You've, you've that's it, you had me. Um, so <laughs> when we have him on, we'll we'll speak to him about his ideas. 
definitely. Um, and you can find his ideas on our um, on our Facebook page. Um, and please feel free to pop your own in there as well. Uh, he did one for um, uh, Arrest My Case as well. Um, and one that he sent us about this train terminates, which he was like, I'm not sure if this is too controversial. And I really feel like uh, you can't, uh, as long as you're treating topics uh, with care and respect, um, uh, all viewpoints are uh, worth exploring. So well, hopefully mm. we'll talk about his This Train Terminates uh, when we have him on. Uh, so we also we have, um, I just want to chat uh, briefly about uh, uh, the Crunchy Tomatoes. So I, I work with them um, in their script department. I, uh, they're a, a film uh, production company uh, and they make uh, music videos, short films. Um, we're going to have the director, uh, Sam Blakeney Edwards, on our Bond special, but we've been having to delay it yeah. because <laughs> because as the film delays, we think, Christ, thank God we have more time before we have to do this episode. Um, so that episode hopefully will come out shortly before um, before uh, the release of Bond in April. But see, Sam and I, um, he's one of the people that. Uh, was uh, we created before Slash Dupe, we were the people who met up in, in Soho to discuss stupid film ideas. So to have him on for a Bond special, um, I'm really excited about. And we're both massive Bond fans um, and have watched it evolve over time as well and have some interesting ideas about what we would do to the franchise and also what we've loved about the franchise. So we're really looking forward to having a, a Bond special, which you should see uh, shortly before in April. And you can find uh, Crunchy Toms at Crunchy Toms Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you can find Crunchy Tomatoes uh, music videos. They're staying um, prolific creatively and safe during the lockdown um, and creating some music videos and sort of keeping their, their juices flowing. So you can find uh, their music videos and some of their other uh, short films. One of them's on Amazon Prime, I believe, so uh, or on Amazon. So have a look for them. Crunchy Tomatoes and um, Sam Blakeney Edwards will be coming up for our Bond special in the new year. So in two weeks coming up, we have our Adjudicator episode where um, all six of the previous winning ideas will face off against each other uh, as pitched by us, uh, and there can only be one. So it will sit alongside, that winning idea will sit alongside Becky's idea for This Train Terminates, which has been our winner so far, and that will go into the semi-finals. Nope, that will go into the finals. <laughs> <laughs> Sean still doesn't understand sports we'll, tournaments. We'll, we'll, we'll sit Sean down and have a little chat with him about how it works again. We'll go into the finals. Everybody knows more than I do by now if they're listening. So anyway, yeah. So uh, two, in two weeks' time, um, we have our adjudicator episode. So um, so tune in for that. So this will be right at the tail end of of November when you're listening to this episode as well. So uh, feel free to um, pitch into our November page. Uh, we're doing it with our Blood and Song compatriots. Um, one of the characters, Octavius, his name is Bradley Kershaw. He has also shaved himself bare um, and is just and is going moustache only for November just to uh, increase awareness for men's mental health and physical health. So feel free to. Um, to to pitch in for that um or even just raise awareness for it because really we're not looking for contributions we're you know we're really just looking for um awareness raising if you can speak to that friend of yours that you think might be having a tough time or if you can sort of it's very difficult to put past your own um sort of feelings of anxiety or, or, or being uncomfortable around discussing with other men or discussing with people that you love and care about how they're really doing if you can try maybe if you have the ability more than somebody else if you're capable of saying to them hey 
like what's wrong you know or what's going on or you know but let's break down those stereotypes um so just just some awareness really even if it's way past november um or november even it's definitely still something um <laughs> one of the things i've really um found wonderful about reconnecting with you two over the years is that i feel we've established that relationship and it's been really helpful for me to have two other men that i can talk candidly about how i feel mm. whether that be celebrating how wonderful i feel and not feeling guilty for that or you know actually genuinely talking through mm. the pressures that i'm feeling no matter how how in the perspective grand, grand scheme of things they might seem so shallow but for me at that particular time mm. they are sure. quite important and to have someone to listen and not judge that is is has been extremely important to me and i would encourage anyone else to do that mm. it, it doesn't hurt it, it the only thing it's ever done is make us closer yeah. and respect each other more so i would i would ask you to reach out and, and and enjoy the wonderful relationship I have with these two. No, I appreciate that, Dan. Thanks for saying that. That's, that's really sweet. So with Dan married, Sean having a fiancé, and Ryan being definitely lonely and single, hit us up on the socials, you know? Like, for any dates. Are you fishing? For any Are dates. you fishing on I, the socials? I mean, like, you know, what? I might as well try. But if you can't recommend me a date on, on our socials, that's at slash dupe on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram... We've got a Reddit. Actually, I checked at the SEO. If you just put into Google slash dupe, two words, you get all of those socials in there. So we're That's the benefit of picking a word that no one can spell or remember. So that's yeah. that's good. <laughs> so go on there. You know, we, we're posting uh, upcoming episodes, uh, posters, cryptic teasers, which are quite interesting. I, I, I compile those personally myself of like weird things to try and get people to guess the titles and so far no one's got it so if you're the first person maybe you get a prize hey we'll Ryan put will you... go on a date with you <laughs> no one no one will go for yeah it, no man. no one will guess that that's why no I'm ryan's great that. on a date mate no no you, you you'd be lovely mate but i'm just saying it's not it's not everybody who's single says that they want to have a partner and everyone who has a partner secretly wishes they were single so the grass is not always greener uh, my wife is listening to this that is not true so <laughs> oh yeah just Oh, and my mother-in-law out. also listens to this. So definitely <laughs> Dad, not why true. are you saying that? Why are you nodding so why are you, much? Why are you winking to us? <laughs> oh, there's a world of pain. I'm in lockdown. My fiance, <laughs> my fiance can hear me, by the way, because <laughs> I, we're supposed to be attending something at five, and it's ten past five. Uh, so I saw a Zoom remote book club, and she just said, "Yeah, now is the time. I wish I didn't have a partner." That's, that's what she just sent to me on whatsapp it's just popped up in the corner so she can hear everything we're saying so we better wrap this up so yeah thanks for that ryan yeah check check us out on our socials and listen i really appreciate getting together today we we, we mm. chat every so often for for work um but it's nice just to get together and and just um be creative and without any uh real uh talent without any real talent <laughs> i was gonna say you know necessary you know outcome necessary outcome but talent works too um, so yeah, lots lots of love to you, um, Dan and Ryan, and everyone at home. So thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys. Um, I really appreciate you guys making an effort today. But but we really appreciate everyone at home who actually tunes mm-hmm. in to listen to us. And we'd love to sure. bring you on board in whatever capacity you, you have the time and the desire to. Big love from the Slash Duke boys. Stay safe, and we'll see you all soon.
here in the Capo Studios 2020. What's up, danger?